The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also, let us pray. Holy God, you confound the world's wisdom in giving your kingdom to the lowly and the pure in heart. Give us such a hunger and thirst for justice and perseverance in striving for peace that in our words and deeds the world may see the life of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The first lesson is written in First Micah, beginning with the first verse, and it is in the Old Testament on page 494. Hear what the Lord says, rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear your mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you endured foundations on, of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam's son of Bor answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Here ends the first reading. This the second reading is in 1 Corinthians, beginning with the first chapter, 18th verse. And that is in the New Testament on page 127. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written... I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thought. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, for God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. Consider your own call, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not to reduce to nothing. Things that are, 
so that no one might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God in righteousness and sanctification and redemption, in order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here ends the second reading. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. Today's gospel reading is from the gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. You can find that in the New Testament, page 3. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated at this time. I invite the little Lutherans. Do we have any today? Oh, yeah. How are you guys? Yeah? All right. How many of you had too much cake last night? Jackson, you had, you didn't have cake? That's right. You had muffins. Dude, how many of you had lots of ice cream last night? Yes. Why did you have ice cream? What was the occasion for those who didn't know? What, what event was it last night? Uh, it was it Gavin's was birthday party. You have, how old are you now, Gavin? Seven. Wait, let him answer. How old are you, Gavin? Seven. You're what? Seven. 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 Oh, wonderful. Heaven. Well, seven, heaven. Yeah. Um, so seven, do you feel like you're seven years old? You feel older? When was your birthday? What day? <coughs> you don't want to talk today? Okay. We'll move on. So, huh? I don't remember. You don't remember your birthday? Oh, that's kind of cool. Most seven-year-olds would know their birthdays. I certainly annoyed everyone around me when it was my birthday. Oh, yeah. It was Friday, wasn't it? Thursday. I knew it was sometime. Okay. So today, um, today is known as the presentation of our Lord's Sunday. It happens to fall on Sunday. It, it, it always falls on February 2nd. Do you know what they used to do for presentation of a baby? No. Uh, we don't do this in, our, in, in the Lutheran church. Some denominations actually present their babies, and in the Jewish um, religion, which is the predecessor, you know, the the religion before ours that we came out of, they present their newborn baby, and they do it on the eighth day after the baptism, I mean, after the birth, 
and there they present the baby to, to the, well, the synagogue or the church. Right back in Jesus' time, they did to the synagogue. And you know what they do on that day? They have a circumcision. Yeah, and they have, yeah, we'll talk about that another time. But uh, they, um, they have uh, a party. Can you imagine they have a party? And you're in pain. And then they uh, eat, you know, cottage cheese and cakes and muffins and all that stuff and ice cream and they have a big party. And they, um, and then what happened is that the, um, the Christian church took the presentation idea and they took that as the opportunity to do what? You birthday. guys, no, it's not a birthday. No, they, um, it begins with a B though. And they, um, they put water over the baby. Baptism. So the presentation of our Lord and the baptism, the, uh, the day, the big the event around it are kind of similar. It is usually the first time you bring the baby to the church or the synagogue. And there the people pray over the baby. There the people and the church or the synagogue back then, they dedicate the baby to God so that, so that as the child is born, the child knows that, it's, that he or she is a child of God. And that's what so much of our baptism ideas come from that practice back in the time of Jesus. Isn't that neat? And so it's kind of it's like your greatest gift as parents. They give the greatest gift that they get, and they give that back to Jesus. They give it back to God. It's a very um, meaningful and deep thing. So in, a, in many sense, you guys, we don't dedicate we baptize, which to, for us means even more because we are now part of God's family. So you are claimed by God. You are God's children. Have you ever thought about that? Do you know what that means? Are you kind of tired there, Gavin? Wild party last night? Yeah? Grant? Was running around that yeah. yeah, it's pretty neat. So as you get older, when you, come, when you have confirmation with me and all that, we'll talk about it some more. But it's very neat to think that we are more than our parents' children, right? We are God's children. It's, um, it's a gift that we always have for the rest of our lives. Okay? Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for always claiming us and including us in your kingdom. And that at our birth, you count as one of yours. And that no matter our lives, how it turns out, we can always know that we are yours. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Do you want one? No? Okay. <clears throat> Let us pray. Oh, Lord, we're so grateful in this beautiful morning that we can gather with each other and in, in your place, in your house, to worship and to praise you. We ask you, as always, to open our hearts, our minds, so that we can receive your words that are spoken through me, so that your wisdom and your truth may dwell within us. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Beatitudes is something that we know we've heard read many times. So I want to focus actually on something not gospel for the first time in a long time, on Micah, the reading Micah 6, 8, is arguably the most famous um, text for Christians in all the Old Testament. It is one of those texts, one of those verses, Micah 6, 8, that I have, all, I have memorized from forever. 
And um, it's one of those that I hear people preach about quite a bit. It is a, it, uh, uh, and the text is, let me read it so that you can remember what I'm saying. So Micah 6 eight says, He has told you, O, o, o mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. You have to understand that Micah is writing in the time of the Babylonian captivity. This is when a good number of the Jewish population of the southern kingdom of Israel, Judah, they're out over in Babylon, really Babylon misnomer. They were pretty much in Persia or today's Iran. And so they were living there, serving the Persian people, completely depressed, wanting to know how it is that they got there. They don't know what they did. They're trying to figure out how now they can find their way to get back into the good graces of God so that they are released and come back to their homeland. They have struggled now for for generations. They ended up living 87 years before they were released to come back. In the meantime, Jerusalem has a skeletal crew of, um, of the original Jewish population there. The walls have been destroyed. Everything has been ransacked. And everything that's meaningful to the Jewish population, both in Jer uh, Jerusalem that were still there, and to the larger population in Iran, or Persia then, um, anything that was meaningful for them has been desolated. It's gone. It's destroyed. It's, um, it's not even sacred anymore. It's been, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, it's gotten to be to the point where it's not even a place that you want to be anymore. And so they're sitting there. And one of the famous Psalms, Psalms 147, the psalmist writes, we sit by the river Chabar, and we cry and we moan about what about Jerusalem. And there, it's beautiful, starts out beautiful, but then the anger of the writer comes, where by the end of the psalm, they're talking about dashing babies' heads against the rocks and killing each other because they're so angry that they're not back in Jerusalem. So just that idea that they're sitting there, they're, they're woeing and they're depressed and they're just angry. And so... Micah is the prophet that's been sent to these people. And Micah is telling these Jewish people, the, the inhabitants of Persia who were once in Jerusalem. And, there, and, and Micah is speaking. Of course, you understand prophets are speaking the words of God. They are not speaking their own words. But Micah is responding to the, uh, to the Jewish folks. They're saying, what can we do to get back? What can we do? And so Micah gives them a whole litany of things they got to do. But perhaps the most sacred part of all of what he says comes down to those words in, in Micah 6.8. And in Micah 6.8, we get these amazingly challenging words. And it just blows the Jewish understanding of their relationship with God out of the waters. Because up until then, it was following the rules of God. It was, do what Moses commanded us to do back in Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Leviticus. If you follow that, you're going to be in good graces. But there were some that did, and they still got taken to Persia. And so God, through Micah, says something that's revolutionary. 
He says, actually, it's more than that. It's great that you're following. It's really about walking humbly with your God. It is about doing justice. And justice in the biblical sense is not an eye for an eye like it was back in the Old Testament, back in the time of Moses, but it was about seeking the ability to bring everybody up to the same playing field. That's justice that we understand. It is about doing that, is giving everybody an equal opportunity at life. And to be kind to one another. Kindness in those, in those days meant to bring about happiness to people, to bring about a sense of cohesiveness so that people do not feel like there were superiors and there were in, in, inferior folks. There were the classes, like the Pharisees, and then there were the rest of us. Kindness was about bringing a sense of family, a sense of being together, that cohesive, unified understanding. And so what Micah is saying, or what God is saying through Micah, is that you got to give everybody a fair chance at life, and then you have to bring, it, bring about a sense of community, a cohesive community, and then you have to know where you stand with God. Your life has to be about always with God. And what I find fascinating, that if we're focused on bringing people to a point where they can feel like they have a chance at life, and you bring about a cohesive community, walking humbly with God comes pretty natural. Because if you can bring about a cohesive, happy community, holy cow, that's to me the larger challenge. When you get two or three together, the old joke says there's politics, right? And so, and so if you can do that, walking humbly with God, I think is pretty easy. But what I, but really that in so many, for so many of us, that might be the toughest part. Because it means the dying of our old self. It's the, it's the ignoring of who we are. Not maybe not ignoring, but the dismissal of our worth and knowing that we are in need of God always. Knowing that we need to always be <clears throat> in a position where we depend on God, where we search for wisdom in God, where we search for the, well, for, for the meaning and for the, and, and, and for the things that make sense we, 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 we commit to God. One of my favorite um, preachers um, um, that I like to read her books, uh, Barbara Brown Taylor, she's a retired um, Anglican priest and also, or not, an Episcopal priest, and, um, and she was a college professor down in Georgia. She gave a long, lengthy sermon. You'd be uh, thrilled I'm not her. She gave like a 50-some minute sermon on that one verse. Can you imagine 50 minutes on one verse? And... Um, she, uh, she spoke of Micah 6.8 as the ultimate challenge, like, um, like as in Survivor. Do you ever see this show, Survivor? Do you ever watch Survivor? I used to. It got bored. It became the same thing every series, right? And, and the challenge, she thought, was that who can walk humbly the closest? She thought she envisioned a, a television show where you could see who could walk humbly the longest. And she says that most everyone would be done after the first episode. Because she saw it as a survival challenge, a survivor challenge, in that if you can go about living humbly with God, you then would be able to do the other two things. She saw it opposite. She saw that if you are connected with God, bringing about justice, 
giving people chance of, of hope and life, and giving people happiness and a sense of community would come naturally to you. And she spent 50 minutes describing a congregation that she served in inner city Atlanta, where she said when she got there, the building was run down, there were homeless people all over, uh, living all over the periphery of the church on the outside, and it was in the most depressed area of Georgia. She got connected with the Methodist preacher, with the Lutheran pastor, with um, a whole host of other uh, denominational pastors. Whether they agreed on theology or not, she brought them all together, and she says, we've got to do something. And in the course of the first meeting, the Baptist preacher got up, and he starts preaching like, you know, hey, can I get an amen kind of thing. And he focused on 6-8, and all of a sudden her mind just went her light in her mind went up on, and she realized what she's been called to do was to live the Micah 6-8 challenge. And out of that, eventually comes this amazing challenge that has been pervasive in the church ever since. It's called the Micah 6-8 challenge, in which the challenge is how do we go about bringing those three challenges to the world? How do we in, in, incorporate it within ourselves and then bring it to bear on the world? And it took her 10 years of working with the local ministerium of the other pastors. And, yet, and now today, she has since left that congregation, but that church has now become the epicenter for the homeless ministry of Atlanta. And all the surrounding churches take turns sheltering each night, especially in the winter when it's colder in Atlanta, which is quite amazing that it ever gets cold in Atlanta. But it does. And then they, they have soup kitchens, and they share their resources all over. And every night they do church services, and they bring about all the resources that anybody, they have free haircuts, they do everything. Not so that people can live off these people, but they bring about a chance of giving people hope, and then they try to, every night, provide education and provide uh, skill training so that these people, in the way that they can, go about a life that's more productive, so that they can be more self-sustaining, and that they can be able to be proud about of who, that they are being productive citizens of the world. It's an amazing challenge, it's amazing um, hope. But this all comes back to this wonderful understanding of we as baptized Christians are called to be. In this month, in this season of Epiphany, I've been wanting to focus on, on um, baptism. And the question for us in this day is, what does it mean then to live the Micah 6-8 challenge as baptized Christians? Well, I think it's pretty obvious, because if you look in your hymnal, right, in the section where it says uh, where, where, where the baptism service, there are all those promises that we make, though, that covenant that we're called to live by. We, we realize that the covenants, the promises that we make with God goes right along with Micah 6, 8. So do me, do me the honor of opening um, your hymnal. I know we did it last week, but let's just go through it again. And I think you will see how um, it's page 200... <clears throat> Give me a moment. These are where is it? Thank you. One ninety-eight. Oh, nope, nope. Well, let's just go to yeah. One ninety-eight affirmation. That's close enough. It has the same promises.
Actually, 201 is the actual one. Okay? Page 201 in the front of your hymnal. It says, you have made public profession of faith. This is the affirmation of the confirmation service, which reflects your baptism. And it says there that we are to live among God's faithful people, to hear his word and share in his cup supper, to proclaim the good news of God in Christ through word and deed, to serve all people, following the examples of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to serve for justice and peace in all the world. What you, what you realize that in Martin Luther's understanding of baptism is to live out Micah 6.8, is to live out the ideals of what it means to be a person of God, whether you're Jewish or, or Protestants. And, and, and what the invitation there for us is that we are always asked to always be dead to our ego and always be focused on our neighbors living out the great commission of always being out in the community, seeking outward. And so to live, to strive for justice and peace in all the world, that's that's the justice part of Micah 6.8. And then the second part is to, for kindness, which is to serve all people, following the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, to proclaim the good news through word and deed, and to, bring, uh, to be among God's faithful people. And then the last thing is to walk humbly with God. And when we do that, when we hear the word of God, when we proclaim the good news, when we strive for justice and peace, we see that we are part of a larger family, we're part of a larger calling for the people of God, and we understand that the, our walk with Christ is not just us alone, we're part of a great host of all believers, the great family of God, and as such, we come to this understanding that we are not just the only thing that makes the world go round, but we are part of the larger family that helps bring about faith, hope, and love, as Paul speaks of. And so, in this time, I invite you, when you read Micah 6, 6, and I really hope that you will go home and ponder on that text and go online and see what you might find as far as commentaries are concerned. Because Micah 6, 8, other than the Shema or Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, might be the most critical text in all of the Old Testament. And I invite you to go home and just dwell on, those, on that one verse and hear what the Lord is saying to you. Hear what the Lord is speaking, is, is calling you to do. Barbara Brown Taylor, in her 50-minute sermon that you can find on YouTube, she speaks of just letting the word dwell within her. She speaks of the word just letting it marinate to the point where it starts echoing in her brain. And she, she finds that there are days where it's just, she keeps repeating it all the time, endlessly. And when it starts to become part of the molecules of your body, she says that's when it starts to make sense. That's when, she said, it starts to be a part of who you are and when you start to live it. The word of God is only meaningful when we incorporate it into our being, into our mindset, into who we are. That's when the word of God is alive, is active, and becomes the motivating factor by which we do things. And so I invite you to really take this word, take this text, and really focus on what God is calling us through that. And so for the people of, uh, in Persia, the Jewish people in Persia, when Micah spoke that, they had to hear it, and then they had to listen, and they had to live with it. 
And then a few years later, somehow they got it. Because a few years later, instead of dashing babies against the rocks, as it says in Psalm 147, they were freed to go home. And when they went home, they rebuilt the people, they rebuilt the temple, and they rebuilt the kingdom that God had always been, uh, been part of. And from there, the greatness of Israel and the people of God spread. And so I invite you that this text should not be just a Sunday morning text that you hear the preacher pre preaches, but it should be a text that is part of the molecules of who you are. And that you should always think in every moment, how do we bring about justice? How do we bring about kindness? And kindness in the Greek understanding is about community. How do we bring it so that everyone has a place in the community? And how do we bring about a sense of humbleness where everybody can walk alongside each other in the presence of God? And that's the power of Micah 6.8. And it goes so well with the Beatitudes because isn't that what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes? Blessed are those, happy are those. And the word happy again, that Greek word, blessed, or blessed is the person, happy is the person who has a place in the community. Blessed is the person who's walking with God. And because he's walking with God and all the world and all the community is walking with God, the peacemakers can succeed. Those who mourn are not alone. Those who are hungry will get the food. Those who thirst will get their water. That's the Beatitudes. The word happy are in both places, which re reflects the community in which we, or God, envisions for us, which is everybody is part and has a place in that community. So I invite you to do that, to dwell on Micah 6.8. And if you have more time, dwell on the Beatitudes and see what God is speaking and saying to you as we do so. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we're so grateful that you continue to call us. You continue to invite us into a life where we bring people along with us, that we strive to bring peace and harmony and a sense of community to the people and the community around us. We ask you, Lord, that sometimes we get busy with who we are, we get distracted by the things that doesn't keep us focused on you. Help us always, Lord, that in the day-to-day -day activities of our lives, that we know that we have a place in your community, and that giving us the strength to bring about the same feeling for those who don't know. We ask you, Lord, to always help us to know that we are part of a larger community. We're all believers working together to bring about your justice so that everyone has a hope, a future. Lord, we ask this, knowing that we need your strength your courage, your words, so that we can bring about the full realization of Micah 6.8 and the Beatitudes. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Please rise as we confess our faith with using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. 
He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Trusting that God hears us, let us pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. O Lord, as our winter is coming to a close and we are now anticipating spring, let us focus on caring for the creation around us. Allow us to give thanks to those who work the fields and work in creation to care for it and to bring us abundance of food. We're grateful for all those who continue to see your creation as sources to steward, sources to, um, to care for and for something to see your revelation in. Lord, we lift up to you all those who walk in darkness and have not seen the great light, those who are dealing with the injustice of the world, those who are wanting a new birth of freedom but are struggling to find means to do so. We're grateful for those who work, who dedicate their lives to bring about justice for those that can't help themselves and to bring about hope for those who are depressed and have lost all hope for life. Lord, we are grateful for those who dedicate themselves to working with those whom the world has forgotten and discarded. Lord, we especially lift up to you social workers, counselors, lawyers, judges, those who work for counties and the, and the state that goes about helping to bring justice or fair chance at life for those that need it. Lord, we lift up to you all those who have dedicated their lives to bring about a sense of your presence for those who sing in churches, those who read and who preach your words for those who are missionaries around the world and those that we support in our congregation. Lord, we lift up to you all of them and give them the continued courage and confidence that they are doing your work. Lord, we lift up to you all those people that we minister within our congregation and in our immediate community. Help us to find ways in which we can reach out to them find ways in which we can be symbols of kindness, of humbleness, and justice for them. And when we don't know what we're doing, Lord, give us, just give us something to do. Give us the actions we need so that those actions may trans, transfer and be translated into your gift of new birth. Lord, we lift up to you those who are struggling with various illnesses or who may be recovering from, from various um, other illnesses. No matter the stages of healing, we lift them up to you this day, Lord. We especially lift up to you Herman, Olda, Christine, Randy, Ed, Robert, Letha, Shirley, Joanne, Carl, Brian, and Carol. We lift them knowing that you continue to walk with them that you will give them the hope they need and the sense of community even though they are far from us at times. Help us, Lord, to see them 
to find ways to connect with them so that your word may be alive in the actions that we do with them. Lord, we lift up to you always the leaders of our communities, our state and our nation. Allow them to seek your wisdom. Allow them, Lord, to find ways in which they can go about governing our society that is according to Micah and to your will and to the words of Christ. Allow them to, that in their actions that your word is made all the more clear, that justice and kindness and mercy is made known to our country. We lift up to you our president, vice president, our governor and lieutenant governors and all the legislators both in Washington and Harrisburg and all the leaders in our municipalities that they continue to seek your wisdom. And if they don't, Lord, help us to find a way to have them see your gospel, your word, so that they're able to make decisions that is in the best interest of all of your people. Lord, we lift up to you our nation as a divided country. Find, help us to find ways to bring about a sense of community again. Help us to find ways to bridge the chasm that seems to separate us in so many ways. Help us to forget that we are Republicans and Democrats. Help us to forget that we are red and blue. Help us to forget that we are anything other than your children and that we have more in common than things that separate us and that we truly do love our country and that we seek ways in which we together, Lord, can bring about your gospel and, and the prosperity you have blessed us with. Help us with the gifts that we have been given to bring about your word and your hope and your peace and your justice to not only our people in the, inside the country, but to the world around us. Let the words of love, let the words of hope, let the words of kindness, of Micah, of Christ, of Paul, be the words that the world know us by, so that any divisiveness is not so readily evident. And that whatever there is with divisiveness, we can be healed by your words. Heal us, Lord. Lord, we lift this and all the other prayers, trusting in your mercy, through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may be seated.
Please rise. Let us pray together the offertory prayer. God of wonder, you formed us in our mother's womb, and from Mother Earth you bring forth this bread and wine. We place them on your table, together with our lives and all that you have made. Open the heavens to us and pour out your spirit. We wait for your mercy. We long for your peace. We hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, our banquet of life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. In the wonder and mystery of the word made flesh, you have opened the eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory, that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to love the God whom we cannot see. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the beginning, God created the universe. God created us from the very essence of his love and from, and from his love of creation. He gave us Sarah and Abraham, who were dutiful and faithful to him. He gave us David, who sought out his heart, and he gave us Micah and all the prophets who spoke his words. And then he gave us the greatest gift in Christ. And it is in this gift that we continue to feel God's love, to hear his word, and to taste his unending commitment to us in body and blood. Lord, in the night in which you were betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, this is, the body of, this is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it for all to drink, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Come to the table of mercy and joy. You may be seated.
May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you always in his name. Amen. given for you. Let us pray. O Lord, in the, in the bread and wine, you have freely given yourself to us. Keep us ever mindful of that gift as we are now empowered by your word, by your being, to serve your people according to your will. In your name we pray. Amen. And now let us receive the benediction. May Christ, the wisdom and power of God, and the source of our life together, keep you united in mind and purpose. And the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you always. Amen. Go in peace. Let your light shine. Thanks be to God.
The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share that peace. Amen.